This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about moonshine. Not the My Little Pony. <laughs> Which I don't know for sure it's a My Little Pony, but I feel that it must be. Okay. Well, I'm unfamiliar with it if it is, but uh, no, we talk about very few My Little Ponies. <laughs> we do talk about them sometimes. <laughs> as most, as all food shows do, you I have, have to, to imagine. There are a lot of food-themed My Little Ponies. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are not talking about My Little Ponies. We are talking about the alcohol version of moonshine. Yes. Yes. Different from My Little Ponies. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to be focusing perhaps largely today on American moonshine. It's a pretty wide category, but um, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um, in, in the meanwhile, I don't think that I've ever had uh, honest-to-goodness home-produced moonshine. Oh, really? No. I've had the stuff that they sell mm. that's labeled moonshine that's mm -hmm. just white whiskey. Right. But. Yeah, I I grew up in moonshine country. Uh-huh. And uh, I have certainly had some. <laughs> <laughs> um, and those who follow me on Twitter know that I had a recent um, very random experience with moonshine. I went home for Mother's Day. And my mom, out of the blue, said, I know where to get a burrito and some moonshine. <laughs> and I said, it's your Mother's Day. So, <laughs> so if this is the day you want to have, let's go. <laughs> let's go for it. Uh -huh. And uh, it was a glorious, spontaneous, strange afternoon. A uh, former NASA employee with a bone from a raccoon penis in his hat uh, told us all about moonshine and how it's made. And I got a bottle of it. And um, I was going to bring some to our D&D session, but then we didn't have it. So now it's gone because I took it all. <laughs> Um, it was a neutral, like there were six different kinds you could get, and this one was pretty neutral. Okay. Um, and it's placed in a NASCAR museum, by the way, this oh. moonshine distillery. Uh-huh. And if you are confused by that, like I was, you are going to learn a lot of interesting stuff about NASCAR in this episode. Yes. Uh, unexpected NASCAR tangents, or, I mean, perhaps expected. I don't know how much you know about moonshine, y'all. Or NASCAR. Or NASCAR. Ooh, true, true. 
Yes, they're both pretty tight, actually. Um, and one of my favorite house stuff work stories ever. Unrelated to NASCAR. Unrelated. Um, is a couple of years ago, <laughs> I was filming uh, a movie during the month of August. For, and so I would work like 14 hours of daylight, and then I would come and do my house stuff works job at night. And um, I never slept, if you're wondering. <laughs> and <laughs> I, on like the third day I was filming, we did this, it was a horror movie, so I got covered in fake it wasn't blood. It was like it was goop. It, it was goop. Yeah, and it was made of Hershey syrup. And we did it like the first thing in the day, so it like set oh, in the wow. heat, you know. Uh-huh. And I didn't have time to wash it off before I went to work at our then very fancy How Stuff Works <laughs> office in, in Buckhead. Buckhead. Oh, gosh. And I figured nine p.m. No one will be there. I think it was a Tuesday. Wrong. <laughs> Very wrong. Two of my producers, they were not only still there, but they were drinking moonshine out of jars that a fan had sent uh, Josh and Chuck over at Stuff You Should Know. Oh, well. Orange-flavored moonshine. Oh. Mm-hmm. If that fan happens to be listening, <laughs> we did drink it. And so I walked in, froze, covered in this fake, what looked like blood, but it wasn't. And they said, not a word, but offered me some moonshine. <laughs> and I took it silently and got to work. Well... Mm-hmm. And also the lights were off. That's not, none of this is actually <laughs> surprising to me. I, I I hope that that gives you, I hope that my complete lack of surprise gives y'all a little bit of a peek behind the curtain of what it certainly has been like yes. working for this company. I will say this was very <laughs> early in, in my career here for me. So I was like, ah, <laughs> I see. Yeah. I see. No, no I mean, we're... Uh, we like sharing a drink. We do. And we're not easily freaked out. Both true. <laughs> Both true. But okay, let's get to our question. Yes. Moonshine. What is it? Well, uh, moonshine is a catch-all word for distilled alcohol made by home producers. Confusingly, though, the term is now also applied to unaged or, or white whiskey manufactured by commercial producers who are doing it legally in the United States anyway. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, it does get a little confusing. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, white whiskey is simply whiskey being a category of alcohols made from a mash of some type of grain um, that has not been aged in barrels and thus has not uh, picked up any of the flavors or colors that come from that aging process. The aging process can also filter out some undesirable flavors and can allow some uh, harsher compounds to evaporate out. Therefore, white whiskeys tend to be very sharp in flavor compared with aged whiskeys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Most moonshine made by home producers in the United States at any rate is indeed white whiskey, and the most common grain type used is apparently corn, um, although producers probably use what's available and won't attract too much attention because home distillery is super illegal in the United States. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I've heard of uh, fruit and even granulated sugar being the main ingredients. Um, Those technically would produce brandies and rums, but, you know, who's counting? (laughs) Uh, Like with any distilled alcohol— Moonshine is going to start out by you mixing water and your main ingredients, the corn, wheat, barley, fruit, whatever, um, and heating them to make their starches uh, break down and their sugars become more available, which you want to do because you then either let wild yeast grow in it or you add yeast, which, uh, which will eat those sugars and poop alcohol and flavor. Fermentation, yeast poop. When you distill alcohol, uh, what you're doing is heating that fermented liquid to the point where the booze that you want evaporates, but but the stuff that you don't want, which is everything else, really does not. Um, you then collect the boozy vapor and cool it until it condenses into liquid again. And this is fairly easy to do because alcohol compounds hit their boiling point at much lower temperatures than water does. So like if you bring a still up to about uh, 78 degrees Celsius, 172 Fahrenheit, um, the steam coming off of it will be mostly alcohols. Mm-hmm. But... Not all alcohols are created equal. No. No. Uh, Distillers talk about their products having three parts during the process, um, the heads, the tails, and the hearts. The heads are what come off of the still first um, as it's heating up. And these are compounds that hit their boiling point below that 78 Celsius, including a lot of stuff that you don't want to consume because it is poison, uh, like acetone and uh, acetaldehyde, I think. 
We're going to go with that. This <laughs> yeah. is like take five, y'all. <laughs> anyway, um, and also methanol. Uh, the tails are what come off way towards the end. Uh, alcohols with higher boiling points plus some like oils and other stuff like glycerin, which you also generally don't want to consume, but more because um, they, they taste weird than because they're dangerous. The heart, meanwhile, is what evaporates through the still in the middle of the process. Lots of ethyl alcohol, which is what you do want. Um, knowing how to tell the difference among the three and thus collecting mostly hearts is key to creating a tasty and safe product. And running the hearts through the still a second or third time can help you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A moonshine may be even sharper still than, uh, than unaged alcohols that are commercially produced because distillation is such an involved chemistry. Um, and some producers might cut corners by, like, not doing those extra runs or not using filters or possibly adding extra stuff to the mash to attempt to speed fermentation or otherwise game the system somehow. Um, or they might make it perfectly but just leave it very high proof, like up to around 150 proof, which is Way higher than most of us are used to. Your your average commercial whiskey or vodka or whatever is down around like 80 proof. So. Yeah, I looked this up when I got my bottle of moonshine because I just wanted to be clear. Like, this what you were in for? like <laughs> gin, but <laughs> how much alcohol is in there? And I think it was double specific. It was it was more. <laughs> yes. It was more. More than more than usual. Yes. Um, yeah. So so okay. So generally. When you're talking about moonshine, you're talking about something that will be kind of lightly sweet, maybe have some kind of flavor based on uh, some specific flavor based on whatever went into it, some of that kind of corn or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then a a pretty pretty serious bite or burn, the kind of thing that makes you go, whoa. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I think I I did that the last time that I had a white whiskey with you and Dylan when we were in uh, uh, Kentucky. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. Ooh, that was a thing. I like I stepped away from the bar. I would <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, all right, that's happening. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but yes, but moonshine, if if a moonshiner knows what they're doing, it's not dangerous. Um, but you know, that is a trust fall because it's not regulated, because it's illegal. Yes. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> we we'll talk about that more in a second. We will. Um, but now, nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> Um, drink responsibly. Yeah, um, an ounce of a uh, hundred proof white whiskey has about eighty to ninety calories. It's it's alcohol. Drink responsibly. Very much drink responsibly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and yeah, a bad batch of moonshine can indeed make you go blind. Um, sometimes due to the addition of lye to speed up fermentation. This was more in the past thing, but you know, um, or even kill you. And some producers cry foul, claiming this is a rumor started and spread by legal producers to shut down the less than legal stuff. Or maybe the government. I don't know. It they could they, be. they had they had a huge campaign against it, right? Oh yes. Oh yes they did. Um I would say moonshine is like a big middle finger to the government here it, in the United States. It is. Who buddy it is. We are gonna get into that in the history. Mm-hmm. Some, but uh but 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 one one quick factoid, uh they, they got Louis Armstrong involved in it, didn't they? They did at the request. And, yeah, the government requested it. Um and he recorded several ads about the potential dangers of consuming moonshine. And it was this was just one part of the poison moonshine publicity program. <laughs> Oh, this is a whole okay. All right, so in th- this is sort of like a prohibition side note more than a moonshine side note. But since we're talking about it, all right, it is completely true that methanol can cause blindness and respiratory paralysis, which can lead to death. Um, so if a moonshiner isn't paying attention and leaves methanol in their hooch, that's bad times. Um, methanol boils off first during the heads phase and is sometimes specified as a whole fourth category during distillation, the, uh, the four shots, it's called. However, I am not sure about the veracity of the lie thing, mm. past or, or present, um, and for sure, a lot of the deaths from poisonous booze during prohibition were due to the government requiring industrial producers of alcohol to deliberately poison their product so that any moonshiner who was attempting to use that industrial alcohol, redistill it into moonshine, would poison their customers and possibly themselves. Wow. Um, some estimates put the death toll from this program above 10,000 citizens. Mm. Um, That's a lot. <laughs> it is a fascinating and horrific story for another day. Um, if you'd like to read about it, Slate has a great article on the subject called The Chemist's War. Ooh. And, yeah, so, so I, you know... 
it, you know, it's, it's, it's not in a moonshiner's interest to poison their customer base. Sure. I, I do. Um, it, but back in, like, when we did our gin episode, um, I don't know. They weren't, like, trying to do it per se. Sure. <laughs> they were just. Uh, just kind of experimenting, trying to, trying to stretch, trying to make a profit, trying to yeah. get stuff out quicker. Yeah. yeah. Sure. It happens. You know, sometimes. Um, <laughs> I guess, according to that gin tour. Um, we're looking at numbers. Hey, yeah, <laughs> it's illegal. It's really hard to track down numbers on that. Very difficult. And this brings us to a question. Is moonshine, like, legal? <laughs> um, the official Oxford English Dictionary definition is, moonshine is whiskey or other strong alcoholic drinks made and sold illegally. But you might be thinking, I've definitely seen something called moonshine at the store. Apple pie flavored. Yeah. yeah, it just comes down to that lack of federal requirements in place around defining what can be called moonshine on the label. Right. Yeah. And um, there aren't the same guidelines that are in place around something like bourbon, which we've talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It, also, in some other countries, you can totally distill booze at home. So if you categorize mm. any home distilled booze as moonshine, then moonshine can be legal depending on where you live. I definitely thought it was legal. But all right. Uh, <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> Maybe that says something about me. Um, distilling alcohol at home is legal in the U.S. because it's easy to make a mistake, resulting in a dangerous product. And that's typically the whole mystique of moonshine here. Yeah, sure. It's dangerous. <laughs> it's illegal and distilled by someone deep in the woods. <laughs> but moonshiners making product illegally are more likely to be charged with tax evasion and money laundering and that could mean up to 15 years in prison. Yeah, the thing is, is the feds can only get you for five years in prison, up to five years for making moonshine, mm. but they can get you for up to 15 for tax evasion. Goodness. So, yeah. They want those taxes. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing kind of boils down to that. It does. Yes. Ah. Um, an important distinction, moonshiners are people that are making the stuff, and mm -hmm. bootleggers are the ones that smuggle it. Mm -hmm. The word bootlegger refers to a practice dating back to the 1880s of smuggling flask in your boots. Yeah, big high boots. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're very useful. Once automobiles came on the scene, the term evolved to mean anyone smuggling liquor. Yeah. And the myth, the legend of moonshine, is really impressive, especially here in the South. Although, I mean, did you have, like, a moonshine? Zero. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, uh, Ohio, neither Ohio nor South Florida mm. are are part of the whole, like, moonshine trail. It's not. <laughs> right. It's, yeah, or I mean, not not, not to my personal knowledge at any rate. I'm sure that, that, that like, Cleveland during Prohibition right. was bumping with some moonshine. But, <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, not, not by the time I got there. <laughs> Things have changed. That, Things I'm, have changed. Also, I was seven, so. Yeah, you weren't, like, <laughs> tuned in to the moonshine gossip. No. Okay. Well, when I was growing up in small-town Georgia, um, there were so many rumors about where you could get moonshine. Oh, man. Who was making it in uh -huh. Secret Cellars in the Woods, and I know for sure one of them was fact. I know oh, for sure. Oh, wow. Um, and it was huh. really mythic. Um, yeah. I wish I could go into more, but I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Sure, yeah. Um, but it has a reputation. Yeah. And it has a lot of nicknames as well. Oh, goodness, yes. Hooch, White Lightning, Rot Gut, Mountain Dew. <laughs> it used to come with a say Mountain Dew. It'll tickle your innards. Tickle your innards. <laughs> mm -hmm, I agree. <laughs> uh huh. Skull Pop, Panther's Breath, or Panther's Piss, or just Shine. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was a big uh, defiance to the to the U.S. government. It is, it is, mm -hmm. um, or cer certainly not. Yes, has been and still is. Yeah, I do know. I do know at least two people who have family members who have or still do make moonshine. Mm -hmm. I've been told. I've been told of their stills. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 the it rumors. Is, it is. It's a whole thing. It's, it's it's kind of part of that wonderful Southern Gothic like storytelling kind of tradition of of just you know like mm -hmm. like like this is what we're up to. Like let me let let me paint you a story, right? Kind of thing. Yes, yes. Um, and and one of those stories that you might hear, and I I find it fascinating that we see this reflected in so much science fiction, um, is that uh, you can use moonshine or whatever sci-fi equivalent as fuel. Oh, sure. Um, 
some of it was, and I'm sure still is, distilled in car radiators, uh, which was not safe. As no, you imagine. <laughs> no, no, you don't want to. No, you, you generally want to do distillation in copper um, mm. because copper is one of the things that doesn't leach bad stuff into your alcohol, as opposed to something like a lead pipe, which does. Yes. You don't want that. No. No. No, not at all. <laughs> but this about brings us to <laughs> some fascinating history. Yes, uh, but first it brings us to a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so... <laughs> this is some really fascinating stuff. I'm really excited. Um, the first use of moonshine, the English word, goes back to the 15th century, literally meaning shine of the moon, <laughs> and figuratively, quote, appearance without substance, pretense, or fiction. And the first time it was used to refer to liquor, that didn't occur until the 18th century England, and it specifically referred to illegal or smuggled alcohol. That's why the name, because smugglers use the cover of night to smuggle their goods, which uh-huh. didn't necessarily have to be moonshine. Yes, but. But um, smuggling alcohol was common in Europe at the time. And smugglers had only the shine of the moon to guide their paths. Moonlight was sometimes used in the same sense uh, as moonshine was until the 19th century. Yeah, and for a while there, any job or activity that was done late at night might be called moonshining or moonlighting. But eventually, moonshine came to really basically mean booze and booze-related activities, and uh, moonlighting came to mean that other thing that moonlighting means. I totally forgot about moonlighting. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, I remember because it was a company stipulation that you couldn't moonlight, and I had to get a thing that said <laughs> I could <laughs> when I was doing that movie. Anyway, um, <laughs> there's actually a folktale from the time about a group of smugglers caught in the act of raking the pond, the pond, a pond, for barrels of smuggled French brandy. Um, then they were caught by some tax collectors. In the middle of the act, yeah. Yes, and thinking on their feet, <laughs> the smugglers pretended to be a group of confused, drunk people trying to rake in the moon's reflection or, in their drunken parlance, cheese. Yeah, yeah. They were like, nah, dude, we're not—there's no 
Certainly no barrels of brandy in there. We're just trying to get this sweet cheese out of this pond. We are so drunk. Yeah. <laughs> this bulletproof ploy obviously worked. <laughs> and the tax collectors labeled the smugglers as moonrakers and went about their merry way. I'm sure laughing about all oh, those silly drunk people. <laughs> and moonshine was often typically made at night in hopes no one would see the smoke from the stills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It got its start in America in grain-producing states like Pennsylvania. Uh, Yeah, immigrants from England and Scotland and Ireland who settled in Appalachia brought their whiskey recipes with them and adapted them for whatever grains they were growing around here. Right, and instead of letting excess grain go to waste, producers distilled it. Not only could you drink or maybe sell this stuff, but in some places it was an accepted currency. It could be the difference between surviving and not. Oh, yeah, it was a big economic... um, uh, maybe not staple, but but side game. It was. So in 1791, when the U.S. government, you know, seeing all of this, implemented the whiskey tax in an effort to pay off the cost of the Revolutionary War, uh, people weren't, weren't happy about it. No. <laughs> no. Also, thanks to this for letting me once again look up the Alexander Hamilton soundtrack. <laughs> because they, they say in there, Jefferson is doing like a, there's a cabin wrap. And he says, when Britain taxed our tea, we got frisky. Imagine what's going to happen if you're going to tax our whiskey. <laughs> and it was true. It yeah. was true. I mean, this, this was right after the Revolutionary War. And some people's, you know, like like mentality about it was like we just we just went to war about taxation without representation. Why, yep. why, why are you going to tax us for this now? Yeah, and it was a big shift from— it was basically states' rights versus a federal bank. Yeah. And so— we were still figuring out a, new, a lot of stuff. We were a new country. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we talked about this some in our, our bourbon whiskey episode. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, people didn't like it. Distillers resorted to all sorts of things to evade this tax. The point, the U.S. Marshal descended upon Pennsylvania coming to collect, and his presence was not welcomed. 500 men attacked the home of the local tax inspector general. And during the skirmish, the group's leader was killed, which escalated into a protest made up of over 6,000 people. President George Washington sent 13,000 troops to deal with the situation. Yes. Yeah. All of this was part of the Whiskey Rebellion. And in 1801, the U.S. government repealed the whiskey tax. Um, And this was one of our new country's first test. Yeah. The Whiskey Rebellion. The Whiskey Rebellion. Mm-hmm. We're serious about it, y'all. We are. Um, and before and after this, though, moonshining really took off in the South. Tales were told about gunfights between collectors trying to get excise taxes from moonshiners. In the 1860s, these skirmishes increased as the revenuers came around trying to collect excise taxes the Civil War. Uh, yeah, during and, and after the Civil War, times were particularly hard for a lot of Americans. And there was, again, a lot of resentment from people who were scraping to make a living off of things like moonshine towards these taxes. Mm-hmm. And moonshiners came together with the Ku Klux Klan as this conflict against the tax collectors grew and several battles ensued. As desperation went up, moonshiners became more ruthless and violent in their tactics, attacking IRS members and their families and anyone who they believed may give away the location of a still. And this did not endear moonshiners to their communities. Nope. And the public opinion started to shift towards the negative end when it came to moonshiners. At the same time, temperance is getting more and more public support. Yeah. In the Georgia mountains in 1876, four-fifths of the court cases and federal law enforcement focus was on illegal alcohol. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Um, Wanted to mention, too, it wasn't just a man's world. No? No. Take Nancy the moonshiner. (laughs) Um, She was uh, in New Jersey in the 1880s. Her neighbors largely regarded her as eccentric. (laughs) And I can see why, because under the cover of night, she would steal apples and use those apples to make what she called Jersey Lightning or Applejack. Okay. Yes. That is a My Little Pony, by the way. A detective (laughs) on her case snuck onto her property, but Nancy knocked him out and escaped. Yeah, go Nancy. (laughs) 
<laughs> we can't help but root for them. Oh, no. <laughs> um, then there was Moonshine Mary, a Polish immigrant out of Illinois who made moonshine and sold shots of it out of her home for 15 cents. But she went on to become the first woman in that state to be convicted for selling poison liquor. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Huh. And as we've discussed before, women were also involved in the transporting of illegal alcohol. Yeah. Um, there's Willie Carter Sharp, who gave testimony to the 1935 Moonshine Conspiracy Trial with diamond-studded teeth. <laughs> diamond-studded teeth. That, you know, I c- nothing but respect. <laughs> I couldn't pull it off. That is about as America as you get, I think. <laughs> You're at a moonshine trial. <laughs> You've been arrested 12 <laughs> times, which she was, and you show up with diamond-studded teeth. Yep. yep. Yeah, you do. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but here we come to the 1920s and Prohibition. Right. For moonshine, this was the best thing that could have happened. Mm-hmm. Now that you couldn't buy alcohol by legal means, more people were seeking out illegal sources for their booze, and Moonshine had been rocking that for for a while already. (laughs) Um, Demand was so great, Moonshiners resorted to watered-down alcohol and sugar-based Moonshine as opposed to grain-based. Speakeasies with passwords and secret ways to escape in case the authorities ever showed up and organized crime around the smuggling and sale of alcohol flourishes. Yeah, um, in, in hot spots, like uh, in one uh, Franklin County, Virginia, it's been estimated that 99% of the residents were involved in the moonshine trade during this time. And so that's a lot of kids as well, we yeah. must assume. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, during the 1930s, moonshiners from Dawson County, which is the big city from where I grew up and the, our high school rival, uh, they transported <laughs> millions of gallons of moonshine to Atlanta. And my very own home county of Lumpkin was big in the moonshine scene in the 30s and 40s as well. And also, distillers sometimes use the bone from a raccoon's penis. Yes, they do have bones. They do. In the distilling process. Uh, the man in Dawsonville who gave me the history lesson, like I said, he had one in his hat. Uh, and yes, like I said, he had previously worked for NASA. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the I think the the penis bone is is used to help control the flow of the spirit from the condensing hose into the collection vessel, like at the end of the process. I think that's yeah. That's he showed us how to use <laughs> what it was used for. Sure, perhaps is the yes. Video. I don't know, but yeah, I think that was that was it. It was the right size for the spout. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. kind of got this little like S curve shape. So so it, yeah. and, and, and sort of a little uh, groove in it where the urethra goes. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I I read a surprising amount about raccoon penises during research for this episode. You never know I, where it's gonna go. <laughs> really I was don't. like, well, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> this is your life. Your profession. <laughs> I sometimes, I sometimes hope that like some government official has to look at my search, my searches someday to just go like, oh dear, what? Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> Me too. I like to imagine there's one person assigned to you, and you're just making their life super interesting and disturbed. Yes. <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> so back to moonshine. Right. Anyway. Business was booming until Prohibition was repealed in 1933. Then sales flattened. And that that didn't mean it went away, much to the annoyance of the federal government Uh who tried to wrangle this moonshine situation into the 70s. Sure. Without these laws prohibiting alcohol, although there are still dry counties, and there obviously were back then, Uh um, going to the trouble of seeking out moonshine for the average person just wasn't worth it. Yeah. In order to transport as much moonshine as possible, mechanics would fine-tune their cars, upgrading the engine and adding in secret compartments for the product. Um, Shocks and springs were installed to protect the booze. And I read accounts of oil slicks, smoke springs. (laughs) These were called tanker cars and were frequently unassuming 1940s Fords. And I think I read this whole thing about Henry Ford being like a teetotaler. Right. Like being so offended about the... (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fun. And drivers, who were also called runners or trippers, had to have some real driving know-how, 
some sweet moves, as they say, to evade the authorities. They also had to know all the mountain back roads well enough to drive them in the dark without headlights. One of their moves was called the bootleg turn, a quick turnaround into a controlled skid. In their spare time, these drivers would work on their skills by racing against each other, sometimes at fairgrounds, sometimes for pay, sometimes with thousands of spectators. So, okay, once Prohibition went away and World War II ended, there was this group of skilled drivers who had souped-up cars Mm -hmm. and enjoyed racing each other who saw that people would pay to watch them race, and they were in the market for a new job. Uh Uh-huh. So, in 1947, this gave birth to NASCAR. Supposedly, the winner of the very first race used the same car to make a run like a week previous. Oh, my goodness. I love it. I do, too. I had no idea about this. When we rolled up at that distillery and there's all this NASCAR memorabilia, this is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But for real, Moonshine and NASCAR are and were tight. Raymond Parks, a moonshiner, was the first to bring together a formal, official racing team. He had a lot of money, most of it from illegal bootlegging, perhaps, particularly in our home base of Atlanta. Uh Mm -hmm. Two of his cousins were Roy Hall and Lloyd the Lightning. C.A.? I think it's C.A. I'm not— if it's not, then I have to apologize to to a mutual friend of ours for how I've been pronouncing his name. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Um, I, I Like I was telling Lauren, I tried to uh, look this up beforehand, and I found a lot of great videos about the Moonshine Festival in Dawsonville, but I did not find any pronunciation. Anyway. We try our best. We do. We mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were two of the best trippers. Mm-hmm. Um, Lloyd was the winner of the first big stock car race in 1938 on Atlanta's Lakewood Speedway. When stock car racing resumed post-World War II, police banned five racers, Hall included, for hauling illegal alcohol, and it almost led to a wow. riot. <laughs> 30,000 people chanted Hall's name. Wow. Yes. He had 16 arrests, and his driver's license had been revoked. (laughs) But police gave in to the pressure and allowed the bootleggers to race. Wow. Yep. Okay. And as I learned on my moonshine adventure, I guess I I wasn't hip to this, but uh, we have a saying, well, they have a saying in Dawsonville, Awesome Bill from Dawsonville, and his son Chase from the same place. I love it. Heck yeah. from the same place. Dawsonville yep. from Dawsonville. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dawsonville has a mountain moonshine festival every year, and if you do the beautiful Amicalola hike, which my recommendation is do it in the fall, do it early, it'll be packed, and then go to Burps <laughs> Farm after, um, you can see the remains of a bootlegger truck from the 1940s that slid off the road and plummeted 200 feet. Oof. And when it was discovered in the 1970s, several jars of moonshine were found inside it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, wow. One of the people who most exemplified Moonshine's connection to NASCAR was Junior Johnson. And Johnson won pretty big early on in his NASCAR career, but he went to jail soon after for 11 months for moonshining. And when he got back, he went right back to moonshining and right back to racing. (laughs) In 1986, he received a pardon for his moonshining from President Reagan. What? (laughs) Yep. A pardon for moonshining. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. um, but uh, people still got in all kinds of trouble for moonshining. Um, in 1979, at least one arrest was made after authorities found a still buried underneath a fake cemetery in the aforementioned Franklin County, Virginia. Um, the moonshiners had like erected fake tombstones oh and laid down artificial flowers on the graves because <laughs> you could like just see it from the road. Um, <laughs> A, oh, no. There was, this, there was this article in a local paper about it, and um, it quoted a, a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms agent, one Jim Hunt, as saying, Yes, sir, that was a good one. It was something. I'll tell you that. I concur. <laughs> a fake cemetery with flowers. <laughs> wow. Uh, Nowadays, there are some distilleries making white whiskey legally and selling it as moonshine. Uh, the first instance of this that I could find was a um, this craft white whiskey distillery out of Virginia in the late 80s called a Belmont Farm Distillery, um, run by the grandson of a moonshiner. 
Production started really increasing during the recent recession when some states began loosening regulations around distilling, um, leading to more craft distillers opening up shop, including in areas where moonshine had always been made, um, like eastern Tennessee, which is where popular company Old Smoky popped up in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, sales of legal products labeled moonshine um, really picked up in the 20-teens. They increased 1,000 percent between 2010 and 2014. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, Old, Old Smoky distributes through, like, Walmart and Sam's Club. Um, another company, Palmetto, out of South Carolina, distributes to the U.K. and South Africa. And uh, big companies like Jack Daniels and Jim Beam have both released white whiskeys of their own. Wow. Yeah. I think it – because I have noticed I see it more on menus lately, and I think it is something – like, you see it? Ooh, Ooh moonshine. moonshine. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I – there's it, – it is it is popular among millennials. Um <laughs> Okay. In, yeah. <laughs> in, in, in 2011, the Discovery series Moonshiners debuted, um, which if you have not seen, it's a it's dramatic nonfiction, meaning it portrays what illegal distilling was and is like without actually doing anything illegal. Mm. A docudrama. I see. Um, portions of it are from actual documentaries, um, including parts about a famous or, or infamous modern moonshiner by the name of Marvin or Popcorn Sutton, who was so dedicated to the FU government part of moonshining that that tragically in 2009, at the age of 64, he took his own life rather than serving a term in prison. His tombstone reads, Popcorn said f*** you. I I love this guy. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like something I'd hear in a nightmare. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You, that that the his name being popcorn just touched you, didn't it? It did. <laughs> it did. Well, I hope that this doesn't disturb your sleep. Uh, well, you know. Yeah, it's part of the job. It, <laughs> I guess it is. I guess it is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. The the Discovery Show Moonshiners is still going. It uh, just aired its eighth season. Again, it's just got this whole pers- it's like, mythology. It's, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I when I went to it, uh, the distillery, I immediately when we got there, I thought, "Why we've got to do an episode on this because this is so I hadn't even <laughs> considered, yeah, just how much there is kind of wrapped. It's wrapped up in all this like secrecy, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the whiskey rebellion is so well. I mean, horrifying but great, and mm-hmm. yeah, fascinating stuff. The whole poison moonshine campaign was so weird. Oh, yeah, yeah." It's it's just it's still strange to me that it's illegal, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like widely accepted to be a thing that people do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. partially specifically because they're like, ha ha, tax evasion. Yep. Yeah. Yep. America. <laughs> My goodness, <laughs> a bunch of tax evaders. <laughs> We are. We are dedicated to our tax evasion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and to slightly dangerous pursuits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's got to be some risk of blowing up involved. Right, right, yeah. If, or else what are you even doing? <laughs> there is um, – uh, d- during my research, I found a great article on Gizmodo that uh, that talks a little bit about the science of moonshine and how to make it. And the author um, starts it off by saying – Oh, my God, people die from this. People burn their houses down. People explode themselves. People poison themselves. Learn from this article. Use it to inform your upcoming sci-fi novel about space speakeasies during space prohibition. It'll happen, but don't actually do this. I was like, well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we could have said it better than that. (laughs) Just wraps it up. Just a neat little bow right on top of our Moonshine episode. We do have a little bit more for you, but uh, but first we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. 
And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener It was like a moon wave and then the ripples of the thing dropping. (laughs) (laughs) I go too complicated sometimes. (laughs) I wasn't following it, but I liked it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. Try to paint a picture. (laughs) It doesn't always succeed. (laughs) Caden wrote, I'm a big fan, and I just listened to your airline food episode, and I loved it. Oh, thank, thank you, you. You mentioned different options for picking food, and I wanted to share my experience. Ooh. I go to South Africa to see my extended family a lot, and we fly Emirates with a layover in Dubai. Brutal flight. Last year, my dad picked me out a kid's meal for me, and I kid you not, they served candy and cake for breakfast. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I am as well. I didn't know this was a thing. A kid option. Oh, it's just candy and cake. On a, when you're in a metal tube hurtling through the sky and your parents can't do anything with you? What kind of <laughs> monsters? I don't know, but what? I'm going to get it. <laughs> oh, no. And then other kids are going to see it and they're going to get mad. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Just a rabble rouser in my own way. Yeah. <laughs> Siobhan wrote, You mentioned in the episode that raw rhubarb is usually far too tart to eat raw. We used to grow rhubarb in the garden of my childhood home, and once a year when it was just ripe, I was allowed by my mom to have one stick of rhubarb to eat with a small bowl of sugar to dip it in before each bite. I would usually manage to get sticky red stains everywhere. Stained fingers, stained t-shirts, stained shorts. I loved it so much, and I would definitely recommend trying it the next time you buy it fresh. It's delicious, if a little messy. I'm not sure if maybe it's just a UK thing, but I think it's pretty common here and not just my family. I haven't had rhubarb in so many years, and your episode made me very nostalgic. I'm going to check all the grocery stores in my town tomorrow to see if any of them have any late crop that I can dip in sugar like I did when I was little. And listener Heather from Minnesota wrote in about this as well and said it's fairly common in her area. Oh, wow. So maybe where rhubarb is a thing, like not so hard to find. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I never, we never ate it raw when I was growing up, but that sounds sticky and amazing and delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I did a massive answering of all the emails today. <laughs> uh-huh. And so as I, um, put these in, a lot of people wrote in about rhubarb. So I'm glad oh, that hit, that hit a note. But, um, I used to do this with strawberries, oh, uh-huh. which are already pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved it. It's oh, so sure. simple. And yeah. Just, Mm-hmm. Mm. The texture of the sugar. Yeah. It gives it a little bit of a crunch. And it gets a little clumpy. Yeah. Mm. 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 
Anyway, <laughs> thanks to all three of them for writing. If you would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All three, we are at saverpod. We do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thank you to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.